Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by the Army National Guard. In the Army National Guard, you can. If you're not in the Army National Guard, you can't. And you suck. So join the Army National Guard. You fat trashy idiot. Anecdotal Experience Podcast is back with a new episode. What if you ever done a re-release? I've talked about doing a re-release before, making fun of podcasts that do re-release. Re-releases. If someone died, I'd do. I'd do a re-release if someone died. Today's guest is Joe Bates. Joe Bates is a stand-up comedian in Indianapolis right now. He's from Houston. He's really funny. I don't usually, I feel like everyone that does this podcast is a stand-up comedian, and I, I don't say they're funny all the time, but I've seen this guy be really funny and really original. So, you know what? Joe Bates. Go to his, I'm sure he's got a comedy page. He also does a podcast called Rank You Very Much. Check that out. Doesn't matter, though. It's the anecdotal experience. It doesn't have anything to do with comedy. Uh, Joe talks about, oh shit, he does talk about comedy. He talks about his first time doing comedy. And then the second time, five years later. Really interesting. I feel like that's a common thread in a lot of comedians is they do comedy once, fail. Don't try it for a while until they're not afraid to fail. Let's do this with Joe B. Um, Yeah, man. Okay, so... Let's talk about your, okay, so you did comedy the first time, uh, and then you, you didn't do it for a very long time after, right? Uh, yeah, 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 I did it when I was 18 years old. Okay. And then I didn't do it again until I was 25. Okay. I, I mean, I have kind of like, <laughs> I, I was in a si- kind of similar situation, not, not exactly that long of a gap, but I feel like that's pretty normal, though. So, when you were, where did you do it when you were eight? Like, did, what inspired you to do it? And I guess when you were eighteen. Well, you know, everybody always talks about how they like listen to a bunch of stand up, or they always wanted to do it when they're a kid. And I never really understood it's something I wanted to do. I listened to a lot of stand up, but I never thought it was something that I personally could do. I thought it was just that's that's just what that career that guy chose was, and that's fine. And he's just really good at comedy. Like, I used to listen to Bob Newhart, Jim Gaffigan, Mitch Hedberg growing up. Yeah. I used to ask my parents to go to comedy clubs. I used to go watch stand-up live, and I thought it was amazing. Um, and then I Last Comic Standing, season one came out. Yeah, dude. And I was watching it, and I go, these people are just auditioning. And they don't have any background or anything. They're just going there, and it's a long line of people. Like, to me, I thought comedians, there's like, 20, 20 stand-up comics and that was it. Dude, yes. That's, I, and then I, I, see last, I agree. I felt the same. And then I see last, I see last comic standing. I'm like, what the hell? And uh, I go, oh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I watch the whole thing and I get really mad that that fan wins Ralphie, beats Ralphie May for the, cha- for the, the right. last comic standing. Yep. And I'm so mad that I'm like, well, I'm funnier than him. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. Right, so I want, I wanted to do stand up comedy out of spite. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, and I so, can do this. I'm better than the guy that won. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked up the comedy club I, I, I go watch shows at. And I see they have an open mic on Monday. So I call get information about it. And I go, okay, I got to get five minutes. And I work on five minutes over and over and over again. I go, what's funny? And I had this idea of, like, talking about how I'm a virgin and doing all these transitions into where it's a talking about a homeless guy giving you milk. And I just go, well, that's how, how smart am I to figure this out? And <laughs> the other joke I had was about how I, I just had a left testicle when I was born. And I was like, I'll talk about that because no one talks about that. Yeah. And I got really excited and I kept working the five minutes in the bathroom, uh, in my bathroom. And I go, okay, and I'm prepared. And I go there to sign up. And I, there's an open spot in the middle of the show. So I take that spot. Because I don't know why it's open. Every Everything else is filled out. I took this one like spot in the middle. Yeah. Or I had to go up at like two in the morning. Oh, okay. This is back. A lot of people don't know that like old school open mics, at least when I started like seven years ago, were mics that went from like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah. Was that, was, was that the realization for you that like, there aren't 20 people doing comedy? Well, yeah, it's a realization that there isn't 20 people doing comedy, but I still don't get the realization that, like, well, I'll explain what I find out. Okay. <laughs> I I go to the mic, I sit down, and my brother comes, my brother brings a camera because he oh. wants to film it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know anything, so I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I think I'm going to do fine. And we're sitting there watching the show, and everybody is killing. Like, everybody is doing very well. They're yeah. destroying the crowd. is laughing. They're all having a good time. And this is, like, the beginning of the open mic. They're all just doing really well, and I'm kind of just like, oh, man, this is great. And uh, I go, right before I go on stage, my brother tells me, hey, just so you know, dad doesn't want you to do well because he doesn't want you to think you can do this. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was right before I went on stage. I got told that my first time ever. He didn't. And, uh, what? He didn't want you to. <laughs> All right, we'll go. Back yeah, to my that. dad. I was eighteen. I was eighteen, about to go to college. My dad wanted me to go be an engineer. He didn't want me to uh, <laughs> do stand up. Not go to college, right? Yeah, or tr- pursue something else. <laughs> so I go on stage just hearing that. And the first thing I say, I go, give it up for your host. And nobody clapped in the entire room. Okay. And I go, oh, okay, fuck them then. And nobody laughed at that. And then I go, and by the way, I want you to know, I was in shorts. Okay. Uh, I had like a, like a, one of those button, short sleeve button down bowling shirts on. All right. You're looking wacky. And I... Yeah, and I had a spiked hair. So I, to me, I thought I looked good. This is back when I thought that was a good look to have. Yeah. And uh, I'm honestly considering that the reason the comics didn't like me is because I was wearing shorts now that I look back on it. Yeah. But I am, I am eating shit. I am just eating absolute shit. Nothing is landing. Uh, nobody is enjoying anything that I'm saying. I am now saying, like, fuck after every other word. Okay. 
because I'm just like nervous and I'm nervous and I'm just swearing to cover my nerves. And the only laugh I got was I said, uh, the only laugh that I got was, uh, hey, a bad comic at open mic night. Who saw that coming? And that people and that got a laugh. Okay. And then I ate shit the rest of the show. And at three quarters of the way in, someone in the crowd goes, wow, 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 wow. Oh, God. And I was crushed. Absolutely crushed. I got done. I sat down. I watched the rest of the show. And I was just sitting there devastated. Like, I was talking to everybody laughing about how bad I was, but I was just just embarrassed and like, what am I doing? Did you do the and whole then, five? Uh, I what? Did you do the whole five? Did you do five minutes or did you cut it yeah, off? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm taking my stage thought. Okay. I don't, well, I mean, I, when I first did it and I really bombed too, I didn't even take the whole time just because it was, I think I blew through my jokes and like, I didn't. Yeah. I also didn't know how to like realize how long a joke took. I didn't know how to budget time. So, well, luckily I had been practicing my jokes to no laughter to time it exactly at five minutes. So when I got no laughter, it was timed at exactly five minutes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Respect on being prepared though and taking it seriously. You know. Yeah. But sorry, you didn't get any laughs. Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And then I, I just didn't, the next seven years, I didn't do it. I didn't think, you know, so what I took from that was that, oh, you're just good at stand up or you're bad at it. And that's it. You know, immediately. Yeah, exactly. Because like, everybody else seemed like do good. Right. And I was like, I guess, I guess I just don't have it. It's just not for me. This is not my thing. And so when I, and I you know, lived my life, went to college, got a job. And then I was 25 in San Antonio doing some work uh, for my job at the time. And the hotel I was staying, it was across the comedy club. Yep. And they had a, they had an open mic night. And I was 25 and I go, you know what? You have nothing else to do tonight. Why don't you just go there? Yeah. So I go to the, I go to the open mic at LOL comedy club. Um, and I go up there, I'm 25 years old. I said, I get there and I, the list is super long and I sign up for it. I'm like sign up at like number 30 something or 40 something. And I sit down and I watch the entire mic. And for four hours, I watch people just eat shit and bomb. Yeah. And while I'm there watching it, I'm like writing my set together. Like I had no planned jokes. So now I'm like planning my jokes while I'm at the open mic, writing my set list. And, uh, I'm watching people just eat shit. And I go, Oh, you're just bad. <laughs> yeah. When you start, you're just bad at stand up. Well, was and it I didn't realize that's what you, you could just be bad. What about, okay. But was it then going back to the open mic in Indianapolis, Wait, not in in Houston. Um, Houston. Yeah. The last stop. Would like was it an was it an anomaly that like that night everyone was crushing, or was it just your perspective as like an eighteen year old? I uh, I think it's two things. I think I won my perspective of how I felt about myself and how I felt about everybody else. 
but also too that last top of a mic was an amazing like that was an amazing comedy club the way they were in the open mic the club itself okay like that was the thing people went out to go see was the open mic it was a free show it was a good date night oh again this is this is an open mic people people like like people in Houston would go to as like something to do gotcha it's like almost like a, almost more of like a bringer show type thing than an open mic no, no, no! It's not a bring. I, I, I don't know how to explain this. Okay, this it was just a good open. This mic. was like you know how you you know how there's a successful showcase that goes on. Like let's say too drunk, too loud. There's a bunch of people that come out to see it. Mm-hmm. This is what they did that for just an open mic. People just come out, hang out, get some drinks, and watch the open mic. Okay, so it was just like it was, pulling, it was pulling in a crowd of like twenty to thirty each Monday. Wow. Okay, gotcha. So it was just so. Then you're in. Uh, what town are you in now? Where's the LOL Comedy Club? At uh, San Antonio. San Antonio. Okay, so you're in San Antonio, and you're watching people just eat shit on shit on shit. Yeah, there was a guy. My favorite. I got yelled at for this. My favorite guy I saw. There was a guy who went up there in sunglasses. And his name was Johnny Cool. Okay. And Johnny Cool was doing his set, and it was bad. It was very, very bad. And halfway through his set, he said a joke about, like, I'm like Teflon, nothing sticks to me. But nobody's laughing. Yeah. And so Johnny Cool takes his sunglasses off, puts them on the chair, and then continues to do his stand-up. And he eats shit. And when he takes his sunglasses off and sits on the chair, I start laughing. Okay. And I start like like losing my shit. And and somebody goes, "Are you okay?" I go, "He thinks it's the sunglasses." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he thought the sunglasses were the reason he wasn't doing well. And I just I laugh. I laughed at like the next person set. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd seen tonight. And like the bartender's like, dude, you gotta stop that, man. You gotta stop laughing so much. And I that makes me laugh even more because like, what are we doing? Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Somebody you mean, can't laugh. Let's like wait. What do you mean? What are we doing? Explain that. Well, like <laughs> I've had a place where there's comedy going on, and I'm told that I can't laugh too much because I'm laughing at the wrong thing. Yeah, and that's what's like, isn't that kind of funny? Because it's like, it's, you're laughing in a comedy club. Context-wise, you're at the right place, right? That's like, you're supposed to be laughing. But the fact that someone can be so bad where they're just like, look, when you laugh, it feels like you're mocking them because of the situation. (laughs) No one else is laughing. So stop. Well, Well, to me, though, that's like the... And it sucks because I do this other open mics, but to me, the awkwardness yes. of like a bad joke in a person with confidence that it's going fine is like the funniest thing to me in the world. Dude, I love. Okay, I agree. I at at a Go Bananas Comedy Club where I used to do comedy, and you used to do, or you still do comedy occasionally, right? You've you've done it. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I would, they have a Wednesday night show, which is like the bringer show. You bring, it's just amateurs. You bring people, they buy drinks. Uh, it's usually a pretty good show, but I love, I love watching 
people that have never done like like you like you when you were 18 i love watching <laughs> new people that don't know they've never done an open mic they've never done anything all they knew was to go to the nearest comedy club and see when the open mic night was and i love watching new people because it's like they're so fresh they have no idea what to do so they're just this like amalgamation of things that they've heard before and then they just regurgitate it and all their like <laughs> idiosyncrasies and stuff and it's the it's ah oh, man it's like their best impression of a comedian yeah. i love watching it i love watching people bomb and not in like a yeah, sadistic yeah. way but it's just so interesting to me like there was a lady once at the crackers over the mic and she talked about she had an autistic daughter and she thought about how much she hated her autistic daughter no. and wanted to lose her. And I was like, this is the, this is crazy. This is the crazy person. And yeah, <laughs> I laughed so much while the rest of the crowd was like on the verge of like booing. And I was just laughing. It was, was what a like, horrible person. Was she like, <laughs> was it something, was it, I don't know, cause some. I mean, I guess you could make that funny, but was it just not funny? Just this woman hates her daughter. Yeah, it was. It was not. There was no really structure to what she was saying. She just kind of talked about her kid and how much she wanted to lose her to Walmart, but like not in a good way. Like in a way that was like, this lady really wants to do that. <laughs> That's, yeah. No, I love. I love that when people think, oh man, this is good. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be genuine and it'll probably be funny. Then they just go out and they're like, no, you've got some serious issues with that. Like, (laughs) it's not real funny, man. (laughs) Um, But, uh, then I go up, I finally go up at that little comedy club, open mic, like there's the last comic. And I only remember like a few of my jokes. One was like, I said, like Carlos Minty is like a cover band for stand-up comics. Because at the time I knew more about stand-up, like I'd followed a little bit. Right. But, and that joke, that joke wasn't funny. Like everybody does that stupid joke. My favorite joke is I got on stage and the stage at LL Comedy Club where the open mic is in the front in the bar. And it's like this, like five foot by five foot elevated square with a giant lime green pole at the back of it. Okay. And I got on stage and I go, you know what I hate? Lime green poles. And I pause and I go, there's one right behind me, isn't there? Okay. And uh, that got a couple chuckles. And okay. I was like, that's all I need. That's all I needed. I needed to get something to get yeah. a couple chuckles. <laughs> that is all you need is, I feel like once you... It's like some. It's even just recognition that someone's listening too. If you get a couple of chuckles, you know? <laughs> what a sad world. Yeah, it's, just recognition yeah. that someone is paying attention. Yeah, so that can do. So you're like, okay, well, I got a few people. Because uh, I don't know. Sometimes you can be on stage, especially like real, like dumpy open mics, man. And you can be just. It can be. It can feel like. I don't, you know, not only am I not getting laughs, but I also think everyone in here is like very checked out from what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so you got the laugh, you got the initial like, okay, then where does it go from there? Oh, I ate shit, but. <laughs> okay, but you yeah, just yeah. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. 
All right. I don't remember really any of the set other than I kind of looked at people, but like, there was a different feeling than when I was 18. So like when I was 18, it was a packed crowd and I wasn't doing well. But now that I'm 25, it's like a sparse crowd. And I'm like looking around and I'm smirking because I'm like, it's a, this is so ridiculous. Like everything is so ridiculous and that's fine. So like, yes. And now I've accepted that. It's kind of a dumb, it's really dumb what we're doing. But that's, I like that. Yeah, you don't take it so seriously. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I can just do whatever I want here and figure it out, and that's fine. And these people are going to listen because they're here, and they they, they feel the same exact weirdness that I do. Yeah. And that's okay. Okay, I think that comes with, yeah, no, I, I know. I've been in similar situations too where you I don't know you I think you also when you're 25 and you've kind of like been through more stuff you've lived and you've failed and you you kind of don't take your ego as seriously as you did when you were 18 but I mean plus you know you were doing you did comedy in a place where everyone was probably pretty seasoned um in in Houston then you're you're comparing yourself against these people like you said you thought it was just oh you get up you do comedy first time if you're good you're good if you suck you suck so you're comparing yourself against that so you think well i'm very i'm very bad at that but comedy's not not, it's not supposed to be serious it's just supposed to be kind of like artistic and liberating because you can do what you want yeah dude i I, my first time, okay, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but my first time was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, okay, and I yeah. I literally, I called, I called them and was like, hey, do you guys need a, I don't even know what I said, I don't even think I asked about an open mic, or maybe I did, no, I did ask about an open mic, and they were like, no, we don't have one, um, but we do, we need like someone to do a set or something, they were like, we need someone to do a set we, on Thursdays. So Thursdays we have like a TV taping. We need someone to do like, I don't know. This is what they told me. So I did it. So I, I, they were like, okay, you're booked. Like I did a Thursday show. I did basically a guest set on a Thursday show. Um, never done comedy <laughs> before, dude. Never. I never got on stage. Like, and it's this is it was this was Snickers in Fort Wayne. This is like a big. It's like it's pretty big room, and it was full. It was full, and I and like to your point, like this was before I. It, this had to be before like the second wave comedy boom, man. It had to be because nobody. This was yeah. I just called in and I got a guest spot on like a pack show. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to do five minutes, and I did. I think I did like two, two forty, and bailed. I didn't do terribly just because like, you know, the room was so big and whatever laughs I did get kind of like, uh, kind yeah. of, you know, went through the room, but I just blew through my set. My jokes were so shitty and I got off stage. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't bad. Do you know what I mean? Like I got off and it was kind of like, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't a disaster. Like it was just. So I still had a little bit of confidence left, you know? Yeah. So then I went to Snickers in Indianapolis probably like two weeks later. And 
this is this is really embarrassing. But I'm driving down there. It's about a two hour drive. And I literally, this is what I thought. I thought, oh, I'll just like come up with my jokes in the car. That's how little respect I had for stand-up comedy. And that's how much confidence I had. And I had no idea how it was done. I was like, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll think of something in the car on the way down there to do. And that was very similar to probably your a little more of your Houston experience because people were good at this open mic. I also brought my best friend. My best friend was there and he was there with a friend. <laughs> and dude, people were like, they'd at least been doing it for a bit. But I go up and I just like run through these shitty jokes. So embarrassing, dude. So, so <laughs> humbling. And I'm doing this in front of a friend. And then... I don't know. So then I, you know, I did comedy like here and there later, you know, not for a long time until I really got back into it. But it was like the disrespect for the actual art form to be like, (laughs) Oh, I'm going to be good. You know? Yeah. I, well, I, I mean the first three or four months I did it, if I went to a mic, I would go to the mic an hour early and then I would write my set list or jokes that at the show at the mic, that's what I wrote. So, I get writing on the way there. I enjoyed doing it that way. Okay. Because it was, it was like kind of, it felt fresh and I like work it out and like talk it out to myself. Um, And it's probably the reason like when I, when I started the first year or two, I was constantly writing new material. uh, And I didn't want to stay, like I hated, I hated having the same five minutes. So I always wanted to like update it and constantly. Yeah. So I think that how I started has made me kind of keep progressing towards newer new material, which I'm still trying to do. I plateaued for about a year because I was like scared of not losing, uh, scared of losing club work. Right. So I wanted to keep like, this is, I was like, this is the 15. You always do the 15 because it does well. Don't do anything different. And now I'm like, okay, let's start changing that up a bit. How did you get, what was the progression like until you got that, like, Club 15, you know? Like, what was... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Depressing. Um, my first year, I like, like comedy career is, a lot of people, I don't know, like, you know how you, you see the guy who's not doing very well, and he's not been doing very well for, like, four years? Yes. Yeah, that, I think that, I felt like that was me. <laughs> Well, um, what about this? What about, do you ever see the guy that started good, like started decent, or maybe people kind of like hyped him because he was good yeah. at first. And then he, I don't I've seen people get worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't you'll see. You'll don't see. You'll, look, you'll see. You'll like, you'll see people like, They'll get told they're funny no matter what they do, and then they do whatever. Yeah, and that's that's pretty uh, depressing too to see. Like, but yeah, I, I know what you mean those people that are like, if I just keep doing this, I'll get better, and you and then you're just you think, yeah, I, you'd think so, but you're not. <laughs> yeah, I um. So I I was doing the first year. I was constantly doing it. And then I, I had a couple of buddies that I was friends with and we were upset that they had these like four or five comics that were established that were kind of running the scene 
and we didn't like that because we weren't getting anything from them. Okay, and this so was in Houston. We put our own. We put our what? This was in Houston. Yeah, this is in Houston. So we put our own show together, and and this is like seven years ago when like independent producing type things were like a newer. It was a newer idea, I guess, in stand up, where that like now you'll have independent shows everywhere. Right. Um. But uh, so we put a show together. We put we 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 found a venue called Super Happy Funland, which is an insane place in Houston that no one should ever go to. Super we invited fun. all okay. our friends. Yeah. It was like, it had a wall of just Dorothy dolls. All right. Okay. Wait, is, is this a bar or what is it? It's like a, <laughs> it's a venue space. It's, it's a like venue a venue thing. space where people hang out and do heroin. I feel like, okay. Gotcha. In the middle of nowhere in Houston, the person who ran it was this guy and his wife and his wife had an act called poopy lung stuffing. Oh God. <laughs> so we we're, we do our show at this venue. A couple of stand up guys. Yeah, and and uh, we have we run the show. We invite our friends. We have a crowd of like two hundred and fifty people there. Wow! How did and you? It was BYOB. So, well, I, I like Houston. Where I know everybody, and like we had grown up in Houston, and okay. we had not shown our stand up to any of our friends. You saved it. So, yeah, we we didn't like we never. I never invited anyone to any shows. Yeah, I refused to do it after how I, how the first time went. Yeah, and my buddy Kevin Farron, who doesn't do stand up anymore, but he also same same situation. So and then had we had so we, we booked it with like four other comics who were all very who were all the same level as us, like newer. So they invited their friends out. And it just went crazy. It was like 250 people, and the show was uh, a hit. Like I did, everyone did really well. That's awesome. And uh, then I thought I made it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'm great now. Like, look how good I did in front of all my friends. Where I didn't really understand that it was easier to do it in front of your friends. <laughs> okay. Did you have a? Did you have a humbling experience after that? The riding high of Whoa. crushing in front of 250 of your friends? Yeah, we did a, well, I said we did another show two months later and I told everybody I'd have a different 15 minutes. Okay. So it's two months. I wrote another 15 minutes. That was very, uh, I would say an open mic's view of what highbrow comedy is. Gotcha. I know you but think like it's very, smart. yeah, very. I I thought it was very intricate and tied together, and like this whole the whole set worked with each other, but uh, it was just weird. It was really weird. Okay. And they're like, wait, did you? Are right, so this show? Are do you have the same amount of people at the in the crowd? Uh, I think we had like a hundred people. It was a different venue. Okay. So yeah, I think we had like maybe eighty to a hundred. Okay, and you're so not as many people showed up. And you're doing this wacky, weird, like not wacky, but like just is like avant garde type stuff or what? Just not like stuff you thought I, people. I don't. I don't like. I closed. I closed on like a five minute joke about imagination. 
Okay. You know, like I don't know, and like then other jokes kind of tie to each other, but you had to really be listening to this one joke to get the next joke. Yeah, they would require a lot of investment in in what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where there nobody nobody's wanting to do that. Who the fuck am I? You know. Right. They're not gonna. You're not some. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. You're Joe Bates. You're just starting. Like they're not gonna <laughs> hang on to every word you're saying. Yeah. So I uh, it didn't go as well, and then we were all kind of upset about the whole show as a whole, and then. One of the guys we ran the show with was a nutcase, and he was complaining about everything, even though he was just a shitty person. Yeah. So we got, had to get rid of him. And anyways, it led to the good thing is it led to them putting an open mic that's been running in Houston for about six years now. Oh, it's an and open it's mic. It's kind of taken that spot of what the it's kind of taken the spot of what the the last stop open mic used to be. Oh, cool. Wait, so that show turned into an open mic? Uh, well, we just we started an open mic uh, to, to go with the shows, gotcha. and then the shows kind of went away, and we've just been running the open mic. Okay. And now there's just all the people who put that, that show together, only one of them is still there, so. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's cool. There's some, like, remnants of something, something positive that came out. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean either way, dude, that's what I love. I mean... I love trying stuff and like seeing people actually make an effort, even if something doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it, even if it doesn't work out, things happen. Like I love it when people have done something, you know, like you did that. You at least you had one good show and maybe you had one show that wasn't as good, but still like, who cares? That's awesome. Like you did it. It was what it was. You did some material you thought was highbrow and that's an experience you had and you're, you know, better for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not upset with any of it. I like it. Yeah, I'm happy with it. It's just kind of a, uh, you know, it's just it, it, like stand up is this constant, no confidence, too much confidence, wave that you keep riding back and forth of where you think you are. Yep. And then I, uh, so like after a year of that in Houston, I I reached out of my job to move to California because there was a new job out there. Okay, where in California? And then I moved out to San Jose. I moved to San Jose, California, which sucked. Okay. Because it was an hour and a half south of San Francisco. So I thought it was closer, but it wasn't. And because it wasn't, I couldn't, like, do their mics and come back every night like I used to. Right. And uh, it just really, I kind of, like, I got stuck in the San Jose scene. I would go down to this place called Santa Cruz that I love. There's this weird little beach town. But um, San Jose scene was a lot of, like, it, it felt like a lot of bitter comics. Okay. And so I kind of, like, surrounded myself with that. And that was just a bad mentality to have for, like, two years. Right. And then I, I got uh, I got in trouble. Uh, I got laid off. Okay. <laughs> and then I, I got the hell out of California. All right. And then you went back to Houston? Uh, Chicago. Okay, then you went to Chicago from there. Yeah, for a few months. Was involved in the scene there. I felt, I, I was like, Oh, I felt embarrassed in Chicago because I was starting over again, even though I've been doing it for like three years at this point. Right. 
and it was like, I didn't know how to talk to people where I was like, without saying like, I've been there for three years. Cause like, who gives a shit? Right. No one, it doesn't matter. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I wasn't really doing well. I had a couple of jokes that would do all right and everything. And then I, uh, oh, <laughs> I was also upset because in, where was I? In California, I created a robot character uh, called Maxwell Robowitz, the dirtiest robot comic in North America. Okay. And people really liked that, and they would only book the robot, and they wouldn't book me. Really? Yeah. That's, hey, so, okay. And I hated it. <laughs> That's funny. That's one of those things, like, you do it as a shtick, and you're like, this will be good for a minute, and then people are like, you know, just stick with that robot thing. We like it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was pissed, and I when I moved to Chicago, I was like, I'm never doing that robot ever again. Okay. So I just stopped kind of, I do it, like, once a year maybe now, but I don't like it. Yeah. It upsets me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, so then I went to Chicago, was eating shit, and then I, uh, I got a new job, and some weird stuff happened at the job where I was, like, accidentally doing these really cocky things. A what? And I was accidentally being cocky. I don't know, like, I, I was, we, when I first, the first day of my job, my boss took me out to lunch. Okay. And I was trying to like order with something. I was trying to order this one meal that seemed more expensive, but somebody else ordered it. So I ordered it as well. Okay. Cause they ordered it. But that guy changed his meal to like a sandwich version, which is like half the price. Right. So now I'm sitting with, at this table as he was just hired me and I ordered the most expensive thing on the menu. Right. And uh, so now I feel like, well, this is kind of a weird thing to do, like a, kind of like a, like a like I was doing a power move. Okay. And then, uh, and I started like writing this stuff on Facebook, like, oh, you know, I asked my job well, first day of the job, I asked for a raise. Like, I kind of started doing these things. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, and I made like a Twitter thing. I was doing it on Twitter, but I wasn't doing it on stand up. And then I started getting work in Indianapolis, like moving down here. And my buddy Jermaine told me that I had to start doing power moves on stage. Okay. And then I started doing it. And then because I started doing it, I looked like I, and I just moved in the map or I just in Indianapolis the first time. And it was a bit that went over really well. It was my first bit that was consistently doing really, really well. Okay, the power moves. Four stuff. years in. Yeah. Okay. So I, it was, in the, so now I look like I know what I'm doing in indie. Because everyone sees me do those bits, like, oh, this guy's an actual comic. Oh, because you, like, like, you have <laughs> uh, your dirty laundry, like your, your old jokes. You just like have this new stuff that's really always works. Yeah, so I was like, yep, that's what I do. Yep, I'm a good comic. I crush all the time. No big deal. <laughs> so it took me a while, but then, like, you know, in Indy, like, everything was going really well. Like, everything just started kind of, like, working together. The scene was really nice. I liked the scene. There was a couple people I didn't like in it, but overall, I was just, I wanted to be part of everything, and I was happy to be part of everything. 
And the scene, I love indie a lot. It's kind of going through a little bit of stuff right now, but I love indie so much. And uh, I started getting work at Crackers Comedy Club and a year in, and I was like, well, this is, it took me four years ever working at a club, but once I started, it was like everything seemed to go really fast at that point. Like working my way up quicker than I think I've done it. I, I just feel like once I started getting into stuff, things started moving really quickly. And other jokes started like making more sense because I had more confidence on stage because I had this other bit that was working. And well, did the did was so was it the power moves bit? Was that was kind of like helped you find what your voice was? Um, I don't think I have found what my voice is at all. But the power move bit has given me confidence on. It gave me confidence on stage. Because, like, the, the power move bit is all about fake confidence. Yeah, exactly. And then, and I'd always open the set with it. So then the rest of the set, I could have this fake confidence. Yep. Yep. You just bring it along with and, you. And then now I don't do the power move bit anymore. Like, I've kind of, I don't want to say retired it, but I just don't do it anymore because I don't really like it and it's not working as well as it used to. Um, so, but I still have this, like, well, I've been on stage before. I've done all this other things. I know where everything is and I can do whatever now. Not that I'm great. Not that I'm some fantastic, like amazing comic, no, but yeah, I know you mean. when I get on stage, I'm like, I, I know, I know these jokes will get last. I know what I can do. I know the stupid little tricks to get the crowd on my side if I have to. And yeah. Yeah, you figure it out like the mechanics of it, you know. Especially it all, it all, yeah. Well, the um, yeah, the power moves thing. That's interesting. Like, it also brings up the point. Like, if you do a character, you can do a character that, and the character can be someone who is uh, not real concerned if they bomb or not, and that's pretty helpful. You know, yeah. You're not really exposing your. I mean, that's. I mean. You're you're not. It's way less vulnerable because you're like, hey, whatever. I'm just doing. It's almost like you're you're acting rather than doing comedy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're playing a part, but it, it's you know, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's, it, well, it, it's just kind of a. It's easier to write for something that has very limited boundaries. Yes, yes, it forces you to stay in a space of this character that's not really three-dimensional. So the writing's a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, I mean, that's why the robot was easy to do because I was like, well, he's a robot who's a jerk, and but here, here are like the things that he can talk about, but he can't really talk about anything outside that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, so, it's limiting. It's good for a bit, but then it turns out to be like, you, you kind of run out of material, though, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and then I just, I don't, it, it like, I don't, it's stuff I don't really like doing anymore. And I don't like that people will call me either one, but the robot and the power move thing are the reason that I can, are the reasons that I, I got anywhere and stand up where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, and yeah, just, you know, it's a, it's a, it can, I mean, it's a crutch, but you know, now you are, you took what worked from it and made it your own and what made comedy easier. So it's a means yeah. to an end, right? Yeah. 
And then I, and also I even get along. I, I you know for a while in California, I was getting on stage like eight times a week. Houston, I was getting on like six times a week. Chicago, I was doing something similar. But then Indy was a little bit, I slowed down a little bit. But I still try and get on like four or five times a week if I can. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, I also think that's part of it, where just constantly, constantly getting on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also being aware of what's working and why something's working and what's not working. You know, I think you did a good job of analyzing, like, why do people like these power moves jokes? Why do people like this robot? And like we were talking before, I mean, how many people have we seen? They're like, I've been doing comedy six years. Let me tell you, I've been doing it six years. I'll tell you. And then you're like, dude, but you're so bad at it. Like, it's not, you don't deserve respect because you've been failing for six years. I'm sorry. You know, so you have those people that are like, yeah, you're doing it. You're getting up. You're getting the reps in, but you're not like analyzing why you're so shitty at it, you know? Yeah, there was a I there was a comic at this show in Chicago, and uh, it was not a really well run, real put together show at all. And they let this comic who wasn't booked on to do a guest spot or whatever. And his name was Bob Keen. I'll be honest, I'll say his name. I don't care. Yeah, his name was Bob Keen, and he is the worst comic I've ever seen. Yeah, and you can tell he had been doing it for a while, and you can tell he had been doing the exact same jokes. And he bombed and ate shit and went over his time. Yeah. And then was like confident about, he's like, yeah, I'm doing bad, whatever. And it's like, nothing was funny. Uh, one of his jokes was how he did comedy for ISIS. And you can't, you can only bomb there once. Uh, and it was like, oh God, stop doing comedy. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's, some people are just like so proud for no reason, man. <laughs> yeah. That's it's it's like it's so weird. I think it's I'm the comic that doesn't do very well. That's my gimmick. <laughs> yeah, my gimmick is I'm bad. And I I also don't like that either. I know comics that their stick is like they'll do puns and stuff like groaners and I'm like no like yeah. I'm like you realize your shtick is that you're not funny and you do these like they'll, like, <laughs> they'll do a pun and people will be like ah oh, uh-huh and then they'll they'll do kind of like an embarrassed thing like oh ooh, that was dumb uh isn't that funny like they won't I think John, John Mulaney talked about that I guess he was opening for Mike Birbiglia like early on in his career and Mike was like, you got to stop doing that. You can't do this. Like, you can't tell a punchline and then apologize for it every time. Like, you need to really, <laughs> like, sit in it and be like, this is mine. You know, so I know so many comics. I'm like, my shtick is I'm shitty. Like, my shtick is I'm doing really, like, <laughs> dumb jokes. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I hate it. No, I'm with you, man. I, I usually... Puns, I don't, I, I don't mind if a pun is like in the part of a, a bigger joke, but like when the joke is just about the pun, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be funny, you know, a pun can't be funny, but like when, 
I don't know when people do it and they know it's a bad pun and then after the bad pun they're like ah uh, yeah that was dumb uh like and they do that because it's such a defense mechanism because you're like not really investing yeah. in it and you're just it's just this pile of mediocre just kind of groany you're getting reactions but you're not getting real validation you know yeah What's been, what's been to like, like wrap this up, what's been like lesson wise in this, uh, trajectory of yours, like advice, things that you're like, okay, I've been doing it. How long have you been doing comedy over all those years? Almost seven years. Okay. So over all those different places you've been, all the different dynamics you had in different scenes, what are the, what are things that you would say it can be related to comedy even not but like what's a lesson that you've learned like either the hard way or from someone else um so the best advice and the only advice you should really take from this I'll say other things because I like talking yeah but the best advice I had ever heard was uh, write what you think is funny keep what the audience tells you is funny. Ooh. Okay. So yeah. like, don't, don't placate to the audience. Do it like be you, but don't, don't keep being you. If it's not doing, don't keep, don't keep the stuff that's not doing well. Cause you, it's you. Yeah. I guess that is kind of an asshole move. You know, if you're just doing bits that you're like, well, I think this is funny. And that just regularly, you know, yeah, like fails. Then it's like, hey, you're kind of being inconsiderate to your audience because you're you, if you don't care if they laugh or not. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean that's the best advice I think you can get stand up. And then the next best advice, obviously, get on stage as much as possible. But um. Also, like stand-up to me is like, uh, it's like poker where like you can win poker playing whatever strategy you want. I think stand-up is kind of similar. Like you can do whatever, you can really just do whatever you want. Do what gets And laughs. it can work out. Too. Yeah. 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 Well, I just mean like there's people who go out there and like, okay, well, I have my notes on stage. I like to read my notes. Yeah. If it's doing well, then do it you know yes it's not gonna be that you go on stage and you have a puppet if you go on stage and you're just telling regular jokes if you're having a great set and you're not being like a hack or anything like that then fucking do it yep yeah man that's uh that i mean it's i feel like everyone tries to um, what, what it's, reverse engineer people's success. They're like, let's watch this guy and figure out how he does how he does this set because he's always funny. It's yeah. like, no, you gotta like listen to yourself and blaze your own trail and get to the end where people laugh at your jokes. But you can't just rip it from someone else. You just gotta figure out what's working and slowly get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think the road to success is different for everyone. Exactly. Everyone's got. There's people who can get famous on YouTube now, Twitter, and 
people can still work their way up to the clubs and it's all, it's all, there's no right way to do it. Yep. Yeah, that's what it is. That's it, man. There's no right way, but I mean, there is a right way, but there's no, it's not, it's not like college, right? Or like med school where it's like, oh, you just follow the path and you'll be, you will be a doctor. Like if you follow the path, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just being artistic is hard because it's like, I don't know, just got to figure it out. Got to be good. You can't explain it. No, there's no, uh, you know, there's no uh, way to really figure it out. Like, I, 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 I stutter. No, I, um, every year, I feel like if I looked at my, if I looked at my stand up from each year that I progressed, I'm completely different each year, it feels like. Oh, well, that's good. So I don't know if it's good. We'll figure it out. But I feel like I'm progressing in the right direction. Yeah, I feel like it'd be more depressing to like feel like you're doing, you know, going in circles, doing the same jokes. At least you as a person is growing, are growing. I don't know. But, you know, if you're yeah. doing something new and you're kind of re, what's the word? Rebirthing? Re, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So that's cool. You uh Yeah, that's good, but what? You got anything to plug? Uh I I have a couple things. One, uh thank you very much is a podcast that I run. I'll be going I go live every Saturday at one PM on Facebook. So thank you very much. Like that on Facebook or subscribe on YouTube. Wait, what is Ranky Very uh, Much? Explain a, it. Thank you very much is a podcast where you rank anything and everything. Uh, it's, I have two special guest experts every episode and uh, we kind of go through a list and whittle it down to which one's the best or which one's the worst. So we'll have episodes like best cereal, uh, worst full house character, um, worst way to die. And it's kind of every, every, every episode is different. And I've had people, comics from like who've been on Fox, who've been on last comic standing, who have been on it. So sick. It's a good time. I've watched it. I've watched yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good time. I don't like watching live videos because it tells you when I'm watching, and then if I bail, it tells you I bailed, so I always watch them after the fact. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Oh, uh, no worries. It's good. Cool. I like watching it. I like doing it live because people can comment and kind of add to the show, and I think that helps me because I want to try and do it as a monthly live show. That'd be awesome. On a stage. Because I've done a few of them, and they've always, most of them went well. So I think I'm going to start working in that direction. Yeah, I think that's a good format for a live show. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at JoeAmerica22 and Instagram at JoeBatesComedy. All right. But outside that, I think I'm at Wiley's in August or September. I think I'm headlining Wiley's then, but who knows? Oh, cool. That'll be sick. But uh, thanks, Joey. I appreciate it. Hey, Joey, do you have anything to plug? Um, you no, know, no, I've got absolutely. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I would be like plugging this podcast. Like, check out the anecdotal yeah. experience you guys if you like this podcast I think you're going to really like the anecdotal experience because <laughs> it's the podcast yep 
I feel bad. I feel I had a story where I almost got killed by a fat guy wrestling me, but eh, well, let me another time. <laughs> yeah, anytime, dude. I've, now, thanks for intriguing <laughs> everyone. Right. But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, seriously, anytime you want to do it, let me know and we'll do it. All right, sounds good, Joey. Thanks again for having me, man. Yeah. All right. Say goodbye to everyone. Well, yeah, everyone, I want you to know that uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, my heart being the heart of Joe Bates, uh, that I, when you go your separate ways from this podcast and myself, I, I truly will miss you. And this is not our last goodbye, but it is goodbye for now. Same. I would. Yep. Same. Same, same. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, man. Sorry I was late. All right. No worries, man. Take care. All right. Peace, buddy.